Welcome to another episode of Lie, Cheat, and Steal, the podcast about liars, frauds, thieves, and bullshitters. I'm your host, Pat Sororis. With me, as always, my co-host, Kath Barbadoro. Hi, Pat. How's it going? Going good. It's going good. Back here in, uh, in Austin. I got, got back home about five days ago. Just been taking it easy. Uh, not Drinking doing those anything. beloved yeah. Lone Star Tall Boys? Yeah, my beloved Lone Star Tall Boys. I'm back in. Uh, uh, yeah, no, take it easy. Nothing, nothing much to report down here. Uh, it's so weird when you don't have shows and therefore you just have nothing to talk about. <laughs> like, this is like, like, I should probably work on that in my life. Where I was like, but uh, yeah, no shows. I mean, shows, you just did a ton of shows. So you can take Solid a couple point. days off. Yeah. It's all right. You're allowed. Yeah, but yeah, it's down here chilling. Uh, Riverside is popping. Uh, I think there was like a like a mariachi band, and it sounded like a, like a fire truck going by. I was like, I hope that stops before we get done, and it, it's it's over now. So. <laughs> I one of these days we'll have some background mariachi music while we yeah. record. That'll be nice, <laughs> just for some atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to have the atmosphere. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, how are things going up there in uh, in uh, New York in your neck of the woods? Um, things are okay. I'm, I'm sick right now. So if you, if I sound a little gravelly on this recording, I apologize. Um, yeah, I've had a cold for like a week and, uh, I like, I get it. It's fine, but it's like having a cold that is not COVID during COVID times. It's like, I might as well have COVID because I can't go anywhere (laughs) because, it's like rude to it is considered rude to go anywhere when you're sick now which like yeah i get that is the considerate thing to do but like i just have a cold it's fine it's yeah. it's a fact <laughs> of life and i like yeah. can't do anything because if i cough in public uh people will uh execute me so i've just been <laughs> staying in my house um but yeah so if i sound weird that's why but uh i'm getting i'm getting better i'll be i'm like on the other side of it you know what i mean so i'll yeah. survive against first all odds came- i will survive my head yeah. <laughs> first they came for the people who just had coughs and i, I, I did nothing because i did not have a cough you know I mean? exactly exactly um well yeah i uh i have a story for us today i'm really excited about it um Ooh, i it's yeah. a it's a pretty topical one so nice I don't know. I don't know if you've heard of this, but I like the the sources I used for this. I had a ton of sources because this has been written about in the New York Times, the New Republic, the Cut. Like there were tons of recent articles about it. So uh, I got a, I got a lot of info. Um, this is about a a character known as the Spine Collector. Have you heard of this, Pat? Whoa! No, no, I have not. The Spine. Okay, collector? it's not. It sounds okay. I think it's cool. It. It's not as cool as it sounds. He is okay. not <laughs> he is not collecting physical spines. Yeah. Uh, what he is doing is he is stealing manuscripts. He is a book oh, thief. Spy. Okay. Yeah, that's a, but yeah, yeah, props yeah, yeah. to whoever spun <laughs> gold out of that. Yeah. yeah I, be- I believe that was the New York Times that coined that name. But yeah. like very good name. Very good. Yeah. I, I was thinking like the only other option. I was like, we could be like a, a like spine collector. He's a guy who's been going around the country and blowing chicks' backs out. Everybody likes him. He's really cool. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's beloved, a beloved figure. <laughs> he remains on good slinger. terms with all of them. It's yeah. great. <laughs> he's like very respectful of consent. Like he's awesome. People yeah. just love him. <laughs> yeah, right. The spine collector. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Oh, man. I think this well, guy the, uh, we'll we'll hear a little bit about this guy. I think he is the opposite of that spine collector. He is oh, a yeah, big a, dork. 
I was, I'm sure the book guy crushes too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, he, um, I believe he actually, so he, he is, we'll find out more about him as a person later, but he is, he is gay. So he's not blowing chicks backs out, but I don't know. Okay. I mean, hey. He might be doing hey, all right. Well, spine's a spine. That's what I always say, bro. You know, a spine <laughs> is a spine, exactly. Um, but yeah, so this story is just like the thing that's crazy about this is it. It's he's very prolific and like pretty crafty, but nobody knows like why he was doing it, which is fascinating to me. So those are always interesting. Yeah, it's just like, like what do you? What's your angle here, man? Like it's, it's a little unsettling yeah. sometimes. It's it's really interesting. So let's just get into it. Um, yeah, as I said, the, the a lot of this stuff comes from the New Republic, New York Times, The Cut. If you search this guy, um, his name is uh, Filippo Bernardini. If you search his name, tons of stuff will come out. So yeah, definitely look up okay. those if you're if you're interested in more. Um, but yeah, so late last October, shortly after an event in Reykjavik celebrating the release of his latest book. The popular Icelandic novelist Halgrimur Helgeson contracted COVID-19. Hate to hear it. (laughs) Damn, another one, bro. On Facebook, he identified himself as having been recently infected, but noted that he was vaccinated and only moderately ill. He'd been driven by a firefighter the previous night to Reykjavik's quarantine hotel, where the COVID positive are required to stay. This is what a functioning country looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had a place already set up. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least the timing could not have been better, he observed. Yeah. His new book, after all, had just launched and was already in stores. Hours after word of Helgeson's diagnosis began to circulate, editors and authors in Iceland's tight literary community began receiving emails from him. The emails followed a familiar line. He was bored in quarantine and wanted something to read. He had heard of a forthcoming novel or short story collection that interested him. Would it be a problem for them to send a copy along? There was, of course, just one problem. The quarantine hotel wasn't allowing mail to be delivered, so they'd have to be able to be sent by PDF to the email. One recipient of one of these requests was the writer, I'm going to mess up this name, uh, Frogir Einarsson, who's another Icelandic uh, author. I'm going to give it to you. I think you nailed it. Thank you. There's, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like weird accents that I like. What does it mean when there's an O and then there's like a little open parentheses above the O? What does that oh, mean? I don't I know. I think what you're that supposed means. to go sit down and think about it for a while and come back to it. That denotes mm. that. It's, it's like, hey, take a seat, think about it, and then yeah. get back to us. Um, I'm supposed well, to like sit, <laughs> contemplate on like a volcano yeah, yeah. <laughs> in Iceland. Yeah. I looked up the spine collector and I was like, wow, he looks like Ethan Hawke. And then apparently Ethan Hawke's going to play him in a movie. <laughs> I was like, Oh really? Yeah. I didn't hear that. I know. I know. Ethan Hawke was one of his victims. So. Oh, then maybe that's what, okay. Then maybe that's why I'm literally just looking at thumbnails. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Einarsson, the the Icelandic author, says um, it, it was he was surprised to receive this request uh, from Helgeson. He was friendly with Helgeson, but they weren't close, and it was weird because Einarsson was still working on his book. That Helgeson was like, I heard you have a book. Can you send it to me? Yeah. And Einarsson was like, this is weird because A, I'm still working on it. It's not even, I haven't turned it into my publisher yet. And B, like not that many people even know that I'm working on this book. Like the only people that know about this project are like my editor and my family. Like this is not huge news or anything. So he was surprised, um, but he, he liked Helgeson. And so he was like, all right, I'll send you, I'll send you a copy when I'm done. Um, 
Helgeson then responded again and insisted that he get a PDF and not uh, mail. <laughs> oh, you gotta love so, somebody insisting on a favor, like, <laughs> right? Like, hey, bro, no, that's, that's not, not going to work, man. I need you to give me the fucking PDF. Like, that's yeah. the balls on that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Einerson uh, again, like I think, speaking to your point, is like this is weird. I don't understand yeah. <laughs> what's going on here. So he, uh, he like is going over these emails again, being like, what, what is up here? And he realizes. But the email address is not actually Helgeson's at all. It had like a couple letters switched and was an imposter. It was like a fake email pretending to be uh, Helgeson. Yeah. He was like, hey, wait a minute. That, that little O doesn't have the fucking hat on top of it. And here exactly. I am. Exactly. I'm sitting in the corner thinking about what I've done like an idiot. You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That is exactly what happened. And uh, yeah, so he's like, oh my God, this is someone trying to steal my book. And... At this point, this guy had been doing this for a couple years. So people knew. Like, he was like, oh, fuck, it's the spine collector. The spine collector is after me. Like, he realizes who it was. So I open with this story because this is kind of his MO. Like, this is how he he does this. Yeah. To to clarify, if I ask you a quick question. So... The spine, mm-hmm. spine collector referring to the spines of books, but he's asking yes. specifically for PDFs. So this is like a, like a kind of like a throwback. <laughs> it's like a throwback nickname. Is one of those things where it's like like we, like um, even though it the, the, the it's mainly transferred through digital means now, they still used to call books spines or like unfinished book spines. Yeah. So now they call it unfinished PDF of a book a spine. Is that kind of what happened? I mean, the PDF collector does not sound as cool. I think that's the main reason. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a PDF collector too, buddy. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this this is kind of what he does. So, the culprit was a clever thief adopting multiple aliases, targeting victims around the world, and acting with no clear motive. The manuscripts he stole weren't being pirated, as far as anyone could tell. There was no ransom. He was just taking them, and then that was kind of it. My man so, got Joker-pilled. Yeah, I mean, it, people in the publishing world are like totally baffled by this because they're he like, just wants to watch the world burn. Yeah, <laughs> I, they're like, we're the one of the one of the publishers says, which I think is very funny. We're the book industry. It's not like we're digging gold or researching vaccines. Like, literally, no one even reads anymore. Like, this is yeah. not valuable. <laughs> <laughs> And like and like so a lot they of books. Had... Like if you think about like how many books are out there versus how many books are good, like books always get credit. Uh, I think our friend Brian Gutman had that joke where he's like, a lot of books suck. Like you know, they don't do anything to write a book to like make a movie. Like you gotta like be established and shit. Like if you just write a book, it's not guaranteed to be good. That's true. I mean, yeah, it, books are not an inherently intellectually superior form of media. That's for sure. Sean Hannity um, has a book. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good example. <laughs> <laughs> So they're trying to figure out like what's going on. They're like, maybe this is like, so like a, they speaking to movies. They're like, maybe this is like a, a film producer who wants like to get the first chance to like option something that's really good. Like maybe they're trying to get advanced yeah. copies for that reason. Maybe this is like someone in publishing trying to get a leg up on competition. Yeah. This might just be like someone who really likes to read. Uh, yeah. <laughs> They think maybe it's it's a, a fellow writer who's like searching for ideas, like mining yeah, this unpublished work for ideas. 
What if so, a year and a half, like a year and a half later, they get an email, they all get an email back of like a really large PDF, and he took all of their novels and incorporated them into like an extended universe and like attached a narrative to it? Hell yeah. <laughs> it made like, like an MCU kind of deal? I don't know. It's just, just spitballing about what he could have done, you know? <laughs> I mean, he had so much potential, and yet yeah. he didn't do anything. Um, but yeah, so this is what he would do to get his hands on the manuscripts. The thief would send out emails impersonating real people working in the publishing industry. He would pretend to be a specific editor or, um, you know, an author. And he would do like, this was like a, a really good example of the type of like switching he would do. So like Penguin Random House is a really big publisher, right? So he would email using somebody who worked at Penguin Random House's real name, but then the domain name would be Penguin Randorn House because <laughs> RN kind of looks like an M. Yeah, you know what I yeah. mean? So like he would just change these little things and uh and, and email people and dude was just hungry for PDFs, man. He was so like, hungry I, for PDFs. I'm William Randolph Hearst. You may have heard of me in the publishing world. <laughs> I contacted you via email today. <laughs> So, yeah, he apparently registered more than 160 uh, of these internet domains that were, like, one letter off from real, like, companies and stuff. And the other thing that's really interesting about this is that he did this in multiple languages um, and, like, across the world. Like, he, like I said, he targeted people in Iceland. He targeted people in Sweden and Taiwan and Korea. And people were, like, amazed by this because... He, uh, like he would write in the language and like Icelandic is a perfect example because Icelandic is a very difficult language. Like, so a few years before he, the story that I told at the beginning of this, he was notable for, um, he pilfered an unreleased copy of Stig Larsson's last book. Stig Larsson is an Icelandic author who wrote The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Uh, Um, yeah, yeah, I don't even heard that name before. Yeah, so like a pretty well-known author and he he was able to get Stig Larsson's um, you know, manuscript. And so he was like known in Iceland and people were really amazed by this because like Icelandic is really difficult. Um one of the editors who was targeted by him said, "Even if you can understand Icelandic, it's really easy to make errors while writing it." But his Icelandic was really good. Yeah. And there's like, there's like the third hurdle of they all have the same name too. That's like, like there's like two last names. On a <laughs> Very wild. tricky. Yeah. Although that does make it easier to make the fake emails, you know, because oh, they all yeah. have the same name. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> hey, Stig, it's Sturg. How you doing? Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, so dummies weren't thinking about email 400 years ago. Idiots. <laughs> so yeah, like, People are um, people are like maybe this is like multiple people because they're they're communicating with us and all the, to us in all these languages. Um, they weren't sure, but this had been going on for like five or six years. And by 2021, um, the book thief had begun copying passages from the manuscripts and sending them back to the authors, just for like lit- for no reason other than to be Whoa. like, I got your shit, like. <laughs> Just to be, just to be the Joker. You're right. Yeah, yeah. It's just, the dude's fucking Joker spined, man. That's uh, like, yeah, like stealing somebody's TV and it's like, like every couple years, just like sending them a picture of you watching like some fucking like uh, Wheel of Fortune or some shit. Just like, ah, I still got totally. It, How do you like Love Is Blind, bitch? And you just send them. Yeah, yeah. TV. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm in your Hulu account. I'm fucking up all your algorithms, you idiot. <laughs> 
yeah so like that this is like the first time he's kind of communicating with people but again he's not like selling these he doesn't seem to be having any material gain he's just taunting these writers and um like later that year the cut starts investigating this and the spine collector becomes aware that the cut is investigating him and um he emails them and he uh he like um pretends to be another person in publishing and is like i have information on this person uh let's meet and they're like we know this is this guy because we know this is like a fake email so they're like playing it cool and they're like okay let's meet in cobble hill and then the guy emails them back and says how about fuck you hill which is (laughs) yeah yeah killer he's he's also a gifted writer so (laughs) yes exactly He says, I've been known to says, use a turn of phrase myself, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, a real wordsmith. Um, <laughs> so he says, Take my advice, drop this stupid article, and stop with it immediately. So, oh, yeah, shit. he's take, like, Take my advice, bro. Play with something safe. Yeah, exactly. He's like, You don't want any part of this. It goes <laughs> deeper than you realize. Yeah, you don't want to smoke with the spy collector, bro. Like, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I would lean into that name heavy. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, yeah, so like this has just been happening for years. It it's really the other thing that's weird about it, like not only is he working in multiple languages, he also doesn't seem to have like a prototypical target. Like he gets books from uh Margaret Atwood and Ethan Hawke, who like those are very high profile people. Yeah. Um but then he also goes after like works by first time authors and short story collections and things that like don't really have much of a commercial value. He got like like issues 11 through 24 of Animorphs. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Man? Yeah. Where, where are you, dude? Like also uh, <laughs> Ethan Ethan Hawke, my favorite novelist. No, I I I, I didn't yeah, right? wrote, wrote a book. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. But like but at least like a recognizable name, you know. So yeah. like kind of a trophy for this guy whether his book is any good, who knows. Um I wonder if he's ever going to like send a ransom letter like made out of letters that he just copied and pasted from the various PDFs. <laughs> like it takes some hours. I'm like, bro, it's essentially the same font, man. Like you didn't even, you didn't even need to do this. <laughs> yeah. He's just handsome. So he's allowed to do whatever he wants. That's really what it is. Um, yeah. So, uh, this happened. They're like plagued by this guy. Like they don't, they're just like, where is this coming from? Um, we don't like, we want to stop it, but also he's not like doing anything. Like he's just taking the and presumably reading them, and then <laughs> we never hear about it again. Yeah. Um, it, it, I'd still fuck did... you, Hill. That's that. Yeah, dude. <laughs> this guy is this guy's dope. <laughs> they did so. They did finally catch him um, at the beginning of this year. They caught him on January fifth. I, I don't know what they're, how they investigated him, but they did, they were able to find him probably through like IP address or uh, IP yeah. address or something. Like he was, on, he was on his way to go storm the Capitol in DC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, okay. He was coming to the U S when they caught him. So maybe, maybe he was going oh. to storm the Capitol. Oh, because... maybe it's like when fucking uh, Hannibal Lecter hangs the phone at the end of the thing and he's like in America or wait, it was in, he's yeah. in Never mind. wrong reference. <laughs> Well, he hangs up the phone and he's in, on like a Caribbean island. And they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they they catch him. He's flying from Italy to um, uh, 
Kennedy Airport in New York. So he's coming to the U.S., presumably to storm the Capitol. Um, it said he was there uh, on he, he'd planned a vacation with his partner. That's why they're in the U.S. So clever cover story for storming the Capitol. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> me and my boyfriend weren't storming no capitals, sir. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, FBI grabs him at JFK when he lands, and uh, it's this guy. His name is Filippo Bernardini. Um, he's an Italian citizen who worked as a low-level employee in Simon and Schuster's UK Foreign Rights Department. So he worked Ooh, in publishing. Yeah, which yeah. a lot of people thought must have been the case because he knew all of these people's names. And like he knew, he knew like the personal connections between various people in this publishing world. So they were yeah. like, he must be one of us. Like that's yeah, the only that, thing that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's that that's a big tell. Like I mean, I, I'm sure he wasn't like banking on uh on fucking um trying to keep it hidden for I don't know how long. Basically, like that's a, that's a tell that he's in the publishing industry that he knows the personal connections. He's like, I can email this guy from this thing because I know that from a conference last year they know each other. It's it's definitely an in. Yeah, and like the way that he talked about the stuff was it was like this is someone with knowledge of the publishing world because he he would use like um like when when people in publishing are talking about manuscripts, they often abbreviate it to MS and like he would uh, he would yeah. do that, like those kinds of things. Like he spoke the lingo, you know. Yeah. This is the guy. So like, like well, the biggest guy. The biggest clue is that he worked in publishing industry <laughs> was that he, he gave a shit about it in the first place, which we found That is, is fairly, also true. Is fairly unique to that industry. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that is also very true. <laughs> um yeah, so they arrest him. Um he is charged with uh once again our favorite crime, wire fraud. He gets the hey. wire fraud, our bread and butter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check Where it off on your be? bingo bingo <laughs> sheet, you know? Where would we be without wire fraud? <laughs> uh he's also charged with identity theft and uh yeah, they they allege that he had poached as many as 160 aliases to steal these manuscripts. Um the wire fraud charge alone carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. Um, a lot of people who were victims of him are, think that's crazy because they're international and they're like, if you kill someone in my country, you don't get that much time. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) They're all like really shocked by this because he's being charged in the U S so yeah. 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 yeah, We, we got his ass for, he had a banana in his pocket. That's distributing fucking agriculture without a license. Like, yeah, they just, welcome to the, uh, the American uh, justice system. Um, yeah. The wire fraud. I I hope I didn't check out. Was the wire fraud simply for obtaining the manuscripts through fraudulent means via wire communications or was there, was there money or payments made? I think it was the former. I think it was that yeah. he obtained he obtained intellectual property uh, under false pretenses over yeah. wire. I, I believe yeah. that's what it is. Because like the the idea is that the manuscripts have value, so he stole something of value, whether he yep. sold it again or not. You know, I so, had a girl contact um, me incessantly for three years because she left a burned copy of a of the Disturbed CD in my car because she brought it in to show me <laughs> Disturbed and I was like I know who the fuck Disturbed is like I don't need to be schooled on them in 2010 <laughs> who Disturbed is and then she left it in my car and we stopped dating and then she would call me all the time like hey is that in your car and I was like the the burned CD of Disturbed no no it's not girl <laughs> that is so funny yeah. that is an amazing reason to try to keep in contact with an ex no I left a burned disturbed CD yeah. in your car. Where else am I gonna find hey, that again? You know? Exactly. That is a one of a kind item. It's like by yeah. definition it's not. Yeah. It's burned. Yeah. You have the capability to make another one. 
Yeah. That's like the whole point. <laughs> yeah, we, we, both, we both worked at AT&T. We were like, you know, like had the new iPhones, like simultaneous digital voice and data. I'd be like, girl, I can, we're on the phone right now. I can play Disturbed off the internet while we're talking. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, they, they charge this guy. And like a lot of people who are victimized by him are like, that seems excessive. It's really not that big of a deal. Like, yeah. <laughs> they think it's like, like kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. I have a copy of the PDF. Like, yeah, it's, that's, uh, that's crazy. Oh, yeah, God bless America. Like, no, we're going to get him. You're welcome, Europe. <laughs> But so the the interesting thing, the thing I want to talk about for the rest of this episode is what Filippo Bernardini's like deal is and what it might be, because like they the FBI, it, like in their in their charges and like when they're talking about, you know, the alleged crimes and stuff, they talk about what he did, but they make no guesses as to why. Like motive is still very mysterious in this case. Yeah. They don't. They can't so, even understand why he doesn't need twenty years in jail for what he did. Let alone why the fuck right. he did it in the first place. <laughs> well, none of those guys read. Like none of those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. Matters, you know. <laughs> man, I got that PDF. So, it was like seventy pages. Man, I was like, man, I can't do all this. <laughs> so the FBI says uh, we allege Mr. Bernardini used his insider knowledge of the industry to get authors to send him their unpublished books and texts by posing as agents, publishing houses, and literary scouts. Um. Publishers think this is very strange because they're like, what, like, even a guy working in publishing, it is unclear, like, what he would get out of this because publishing moves very slowly. So by the time, like, if, if, because one sort of idea was that maybe he was looking for ideas for his own work, because we're going to talk about, he did write a book. So, um, it, uh, it doesn't sound like it was very good. And I'm not basing that only on how about fuck you Hill. There's yeah, other, yeah. other reasons. It's, the novel is called fuck you Hill. It's like a, a, fucking, <laughs> a coming of age tale, like set in seventies, new England. But if, yeah, I mean, fuck you Hill. It might, I, I could see Stephen King writing that coming of age <laughs> yeah. novel. Absolutely. He does. The book he writes is a coming of age novel. So, but anyway, oh, so. like, Publishing moves really slowly. So if he's reading this stuff to get ideas, by the time his work is published, the work he stole from would already also be published. So like, it's not a leg up really to get it like, you know, a few months before because publishing just moves really slowly. Um, So that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, Another, another possible thing is that like, I think like the key thing to understand about Bernardini is that, he so he had this low level job um in this publishing house but he was very ambitious and he was pitching himself really aggressively as a translator um which again like he spoke to these people in all these languages he was getting manuscripts in multiple languages and reading them um according to his linkedin he speaks 10 languages and that like may very well be true based on his emails so yeah. He's like pitching himself as as a, a translator very aggressively. Like he's not trying to be an author in his own right, but he wants to be a literary translator. And yeah. oh, go ahead. Maybe like one of those things where like he could like like he like perpetrates a like like a, a crime, a, vi- a victimless crime to like showcase his skills. Uh but yeah, I guess that backfired if that's if that's the motive, you know. <laughs> well, the thing that's like weird about that is if he was so being a literary translator it it's like there aren't a lot of people who do it and it's more of like it it doesn't bring you fame and fortune but it is like it's a very specific job and it's a hard industry to break into 
And one of the ways you can break into it is if you sort of hit your wagon to a rising uh star in in the literary world so like, I, I've, I've seen that like like yeah when, when things debut in other countries and if, if mm-hmm. they, they might get like a translator that has like a, a significant connection to the source material or whatever something like that right so like people are like maybe he's t- maybe that's why he's taking stuff from these first-time authors like maybe he's looking through the stuff from these first-time authors to find something really good and yeah. then like pitching himself as the translator of that but the thing that's problematic about that theory is in order for him to do that he would have to reveal that he had the manuscript and thus admitting that he stole it so like that doesn't make a lot of sense like Um, do do you think it could be something of like this like is funner than his day job and it seemed like a way where he could put all the pieces in play where like he had he had international police looking for him international publishers house looking for him but like not in a way that carried real any significance or danger so it's like if he was looking for that he could put himself in the situation where like oh i have publishing houses from across europe and in a u.s investigative agency uh you know looking for me and stuff and that's a little bit of excitement but even when they catch him they're like all right buster you stop doing that you know it's like he gets the thrill for none of the cost yeah no i think that is probably the best way to think about this i i think yeah. i think you're probably right because i think this is someone who felt overlooked at work and like his sort of ambitions outpaced where he was in his life. And I think he was frustrated by that. And yeah. so I think he like, even though he loved this world, I think he also felt very resentful of these people and also kind of superior to them because yeah. he was like, he was like resentful. He's like, these people don't, you know, respect my skills. Yeah. And that brings me to talk about the book that he wrote, which I feel like really reflects a lot of this stuff. So he wrote a book. Ooh, yeah. Um, he he was pretty young when he wrote it. It was published. Um, he was working for the publisher, uh, in in this like translation capacity, um, when it was published. So I think they were kind of doing him a favor. It wasn't. It didn't like, you know, make a big splash or anything. But he writes this book as a as a young man called Bully, B U L L I, because that's how you spell it in Italian. But it means wow. the same thing. So. Um, yeah, and it's it's a it's a coming of age novel about his high school experience and the the way that like the story of this book is this kid who is um you know a, a he's picked on he's a loner he's uh he's effeminate and gay and uh, his parents divorced he's, and he speaks nine like, languages <laughs> yeah I mean it's <laughs> it is. The, the the articles I read describe it as heavily autobiographical. So like this is very much his experience. It's written in the form of a diary. Um, so it's basically he like released a live journal is what happened. Yeah. It's like a book. <laughs> um, a journal that's clearly being lied to, which is like one of the saddest things in the world. It's like, I had so much <laughs> fun today. And I'm like, and it's like, no, you didn't. So, I mean, the thing that I think is very interesting about this is in the book, his goal is to become a bully himself so that he can protect himself. And he like speaks a lot in this book about like knowing that he is better than the people who pick on him and <laughs> you know, that he is, he is ultimately superior to them. So uh, one of the articles I read says, if this book represents the keenest insight into Bernardini's personality, it's hard not to notice the way his main character comes across as desperate for recognition and eager to settle scores real and imagined. 
It is a book obsessed with being trapped in a place where you are not appreciated and, per its title, bullied incessantly for being different. So I think this guy just had a real big chip on his shoulder and he wanted to, he got, like you said at the beginning, he just got Jokerfied to books. Yeah, yeah. He's the book Joker. That's what happened. (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's crazy because, like, um, yeah, if he just, like, also, to me, it's funny, like, I, I, I don't know, like, being, like, angst filled, like, Art has to have a personal reflection in it, like like usually to be quality and good. And that's one of those things where you think it's like kind of scary, where it's like you wrote this novel and then you do something like this, and people were like, uh, you know, like discussing it publicly, were like, oh, well, we we actually went and looked at his novel, and uh, yeah, disaffected loser dork nobody likes, and you're just like, oh, that was not what I was trying to do. And I just, and that sucks. It's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's almost like the word, the uh, like the easy part for me. I'm like, oh, I get it. I just won't put any personal experience into my art. And you're like, oh, wait a minute, that's not art. <laughs> that's, that's, a lot of exposure yeah yeah exactly he was really showing his ass uh yeah yeah, (laughs) is what art is art is all about showing your ass yeah that's Um, why i love stand-up because like i you know my my recent just frustration with the people like oh comedy's about telling the truth man i'm like no that's the like that's the most boring type of comedy i don't talk about my shit like i like to go like talk about a trip to the store i took yesterday that actually happened four and a half years ago it didn't even happen that way you know like i like he's just kind of lie about that shit yeah, and also it's like the the truth is a very like that is a very vague term. Like I feel like it's about telling an emotional truth. It's not about like preaching about your opinions. It's like Oh yeah, that's a very good way to put that. Yeah, so it's like I don't know. I mean, I I think it's like comedy is about telling the truth, which means that like you should do jokes where sometimes you look bad. Like you're not always uh, the yeah. the overlooked genius. If you're gonna make yeah. good comedy, like you ha- you have yeah. to you have to like find the times where you look stupid and 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 accept those and embrace them. Yeah. Uh, it's not always like I know better than everyone else, you know. Which dude, is how dude. a lot of the quote unquote truth tellers frame yeah. telling the truth <laughs> yeah. in comedy. You know, dude. There there was a guy in the Connecticut open mic scene that came out once, and he was the like the the childhood friend of a very talented comic in that scene who's still active. But he came out and the guy was like, "Hey, did my buddy stop by?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "How would he do?" And I was like, "He was horrible." He's like, "This like this like like eat, like Jersey Shore type character." And it was like around 2009, and every story he had the upper hand, but it wasn't funny. Yeah, and it was like, yeah. He was like, "Dude," he's like, "I go to the store the other day with my friend. I order French fries, right?" I said, "You want anything?" He goes, "No." I order the fries, drive off. What's he say three seconds later? Can I get a fry? Come on, we were just there. <laughs> like, I'll always remember that joke till the day I die. And I was like, "Yeah, I was like, there's nothing like every joke was like he was the fu- yeah, he was like the funniest guy He's in the wrong. room at the time. Yeah, yeah at the time yep. he's telling the story. Yeah, I was just like when you catch that every now and then, uh, less so when you stop going to open mics, but it's still out there. But it's it's funny because it's like, oh, this person doesn't understand this shit at all." <laughs> Yeah, like they don't, the, the, it's all, it's, I think in, I can't remember what they call it, but it's like backstairs talk where it's like, yeah, you, 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 you craft the thing you think you should have said in that moment and not what you actually said, you um, know, like, they call it the spirit of the staircase in French, I think like it's like, yes, exactly that's what I'm thinking yeah. of the spirit of yeah. the staircase. Yes. Yeah. That sort of thing where like, you always know best. You always have the upper hand. You always have the good burn. Yeah. Like that's not. Yeah. <laughs> that's not funny that's not that's not like a, an yeah. interesting comedic character you know y- yeah yeah um, it's like somebody tells a story about like, like like an interaction that God do something out in public and you're like all of this was said in your head dude like you're not yeah 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 and that's like I I feel like this 
Bernardini guy is like very much, very much that. Uh, he like again, again, like he has these sort of like resentments. But everybody who worked with him was like, yeah, he was perfectly nice, but very forgettable. Like this was not yeah. a. He apparently in college, people knew of him for being kind of like boisterous and arrogant. But then, like by the time he was working in publishing, he had just bottled all this shit up and was, yeah, yeah like clearly, clearly living in the spirit of the staircase of like I know best, <laughs> I'm the smartest, but I'm like I'm a coward and I'm not going to demonstrate it to anybody. Yeah, you know? which is why I always take the elevator, never second guess myself. So you know, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> never just, look back. Yeah, yeah. I am just coasting down ten floors, getting zero cardio, feeling like I just own that room. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so this is like still a developing story, um, but he hasn't been sentenced yet, but his, he has, there has been a hearing like he is. So he is currently out on bail, um, but he's in New York. So maybe I should look for him. Maybe I should find him. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, like I guess about a month ago, um, he appeared in federal court in Manhattan and uh, he, he didn't talk. He didn't like give any kind of motive for anything. Um, he'd been released on a $300,000 cash bond and, uh, they made him surrender his passport. He, he, so he's out on bail. He does have to have a curfew. Um, and he's staying in his friend's one bedroom apartment in the West village. Uh, that sucks. That, that is a good friend. That is, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, he's staying in your one bedroom apartment and he's like not allowed to leave cause there's a curfew. Yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah, he's God. in there. He's around. <laughs> Oh, you just come always there. You leave that. That's horrible, man. Yeah. And like West Village, one bedroom, probably not a very spacious uh, yeah. <laughs> accommodation. This is like two men standing with like a mounts of foam booth. And he's just like, yeah, you do anything tonight? But no, I'm just going to stay. In. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool, cool. <laughs> so he's he's pled not guilty. He's entered a not guilty plea. Um, the judge in the case uh kind of had the same sort of confusion that everybody else does she literally yeah. said at one point she says at one point to the prosecutor what exactly did he do <laughs> which is great that's what you want uh when that um, gavel hit had like a, like a question mark at the end of it, it was like slam i don't i don't know what's happening here <laughs> yeah um, so she's like i get like she did she was just like okay well i know what people do with pirated movies but like so he just stole the books and then he just kept them. And the prosecution was like, yeah, he didn't, he didn't try to sell them. And she's just like, so he just wanted to read them. And the prosecutor's <laughs> like, yeah. And she's just like, interesting. Yeah, right. <laughs> that well, is yeah, kind of where things are right now. Like people are just like, what. okay. He's going to be out there like on like in Washington square park with like a blanket laid out with like the PDFs of the fucking like little of all the books. Hey, <laughs> yeah. so all the PDFs next, like, on a blanket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, biggie, biggie shirts and shit. <laughs> yeah. Trying to sell oh, a Stig Larson. That rock. I, I, <laughs> I tell you, if I, we're uh, a depressed um, young Italian man in, in any industry uh, over there in Italy. And I was feeling like unsure of where I was going in life. I would just get off work every day, hop on one of those cool little scooters, go and drink some good coffee, yeah. get drunk on wine at like four in the afternoon, um, find a wife that with a beautiful mustache. And like, I don't know. Like, I, don't, I don't. It's like, what are you doing? I man? Think that, like, I've got to say, like, I think that's what most people in Italy do. Like, they are not yeah, known yeah. for their work ethic over there. They're like pretty chill. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? I'll be like, oh, tomorrow I'm busy. I'm hanging out with my friend for five hours and drinking coffee. So <laughs> right. Sorry, we gotta we gotta sit at a table at a at a cafe and and like heckle people walking by all day. Yeah. That's what I gotta do tomorrow. Sorry, yeah. I gotta drink ninety cups of espresso and then switch to sambuca around five o'clock. Yeah. I, I, it's a I wonderful this, country. Yeah, wonderful yeah. country. I hang out for this place that was built in the 1600s, and I, yep. I just uh, yeah, and I just cat call women who work at the textile plant next door. And that's yeah, what. exactly. <laughs> that is what Italy is. <laughs> so I also I, I again I I'm not saying these things negatively. Italy, I love that about y'all. Like, don't get oh me wrong. no, this that's like yeah. what we're all about. <laughs> that's our shit. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'm going oh, there in June. I'm very excited. I can't wait to oh, you are. assimilate That's to this culture. Up. Yeah, my my brother's getting married, and uh, we're all going to Italy for it. So, oh, it's so fucking cool. It's like season like season ten of the Barbadoros. Like like, like that. It's like that exactly where, where the show is a huge budget. They just like like okay, now we can like we can do an on location episode. <laughs> my friend, my friend, uh, comedian Jay Jordan, who's very funny. Um, he just tweeted, "Do Italians go on birthright trips?" <laughs> And I was like, kind of, yeah. Like, we sort of do. I feel like almost everyone I know of Italian heritage has either been to Italy or wants to go to Italy. Like, it's just, yeah, yeah. we kind of do have Italian birthright. It sort of yeah. is a thing. So, um, yeah. a, a funny Italian tweet I saw recently was uh, Michael Dede, Houston comedian, lives in Austin now, very funny cat. Uh, but he had, he had one who's like, The Sopranos is just a, six, a show with six seasons about how Italians are imper- impervious to therapy. I thought that, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Doesn't work on us. <laughs> but yeah, the, Filippo Bernardini clearly needs some. Uh, yeah. I, it is interesting, though, because like, it's all of his victims are like authors and publishers and they like love a good story. So they're like, they kind of have like an admiration for him a little bit. Yeah. Like they're like, they're like, Hey, we're, we're glad somebody likes to read this much. Like yeah. they, they're grateful that he's like, you know, that sort of zealous about it. They're like, I, yeah. I don't like that. He stole from me, but like, I, yeah. I got to respect it a little bit. And they certainly, yeah. for the most part, don't want him to get 20 years in prison. So yeah. I don't know. We'll he, see what happens. Ethan Hawke was just happy to have an author email him. He was just like, yes. It was like, he's like I'm, <laughs> exactly. I'm in the club. Okay. <laughs> Finally, they respect me for something other than being handsome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I legit pulled it up and I was like, damn, my man's given a, he's given Ethan Hawke. And, like, and uh, no, Ethan <laughs> Hawke was the victim. And that's never a sentence I have fun saying. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> uh, w- w- worth it. If he doesn't get that 20 years, T- totally worth worth it. Uh, like in twenty years, I hope he seemed like he was depressed and despondent. I hope this shook things up a little bit for him. And uh, I don't know what his mental health is going to uh, suffer living in that one bedroom, <laughs> fucking uh, in, yeah. in his village. But you know, yeah, it seems like a relatively harmless crime. I mean, it, it'd be different if he was selling them and stuff. And he was like taunting people. That's not cool. But like, as far as the yeah. stuff we cover, like. I mean, if you want to do this, I say go for it. Why not? Yeah. yeah <laughs> Just don't get caught some... by the U.S. government. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> you put him up against some of the people we've covered and, like, you know, like, any member of the grandpa gang would just beat the shit out of this kid. <laughs> like, 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 he's not. Yeah, he's I do. Really not a... If he has to go to prison, he's going to have some problems, I think. He's yeah. not, a, not a tough guy. Yeah. You're in here for he... reading too much, you fucking dork. Like, yeah, yeah it's not going to work out for him. Yeah, I mean, you better use that writer's imagination to spin a tale about how what he did was dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, shit, that's that's really cool. Uh, now that we, when you brought up, I've seen this name knocking around on uh, on Twitter uh, and, the, and like some like and some um, trending stuff. And I mm-hmm. uh, just thought it was a company that made fancy boots. No, I don't know, but, uh, Sounds like it. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, no, that was that was awesome. I love that. I love uh, I love light, when we do lighthearted ones that don't make you just like get mad at the world. That's always good. Yeah, it's always a nice time. Um, well, yeah, this is this is for the free feed. So, Pat, what have you got coming up? I have not much. <laughs> I, I'm doing a. I, if you're in Austin, Texas, I'm gonna be at. Um, I know this. Where am I gonna be at? I'm gonna be at the Sting. Oh, the Sting is a really cool show. It's done by our friends uh, uh, Chris Cubis, and now uh, Ryan County is gonna host it. These are all like old school Austin cats, and me and Kath are really good friends Hell with. Yeah. And the and the Sting was one of those like really good shows in town. That was consistently good. That shut down for quarantine, and they're back, baby. And I'm doing. I think it's the second one now. It's not the inaugural, but. Um, it's still special. No, but I'm doing that uh, next week. That's going to be Thursday at uh, the Buzzmill, 9 o'clock, Buzzmill East. And then I'm going to do, uh, I'll be doing a show during South By at Schultz Beer Garden. That's going to be really cool. It's going to be all day. One of those like off off South By shows where it's like four blocks of comedy. And it's going to be nice. at Schultz Beer Garden, which is a fun place to get drunk. So that's on the 14th. Absolutely. Cool. Um, yeah. I have another podcast. I have another podcast called What a Time to Be Alive. It's uh, about uh, stupid news stories. It comes out every week. Um, I have a bunch of shows this month. I think this, I think the day, I'm trying to think of when this will be out. Um, I'm come to paid protest. That's what I'll plug. Paid protest Friday, March 18th at 8 p.m. at Secret Loft on 14th Street. We're raising money for the NYC DSA housing working group. Uh, We have a really great lineup. Uh, Andrews Lee, Kenise Mobley, Courtney B, Norlex Belma, um, somebody else I'm forgetting. It's it's going to be a really good show. So oh, come yeah. to that. Raises money for a good cause. And uh, yeah, I also have a bunch of other shows in March. So check my Twitter, Kath Barbadoro, for those other dates. Hell yeah. Yeah, we, we also have the, uh, you know, we, we have a Patreon for this. If you guys are on our free feed, we do two more episodes a month uh, on the Patreon at patreon.com slash lie, cheat, and steal. Uh, you can sign up there, get access to our Discord. That's a really fun place these days. And uh, yeah, man, aside from that, uh, as we round into March and everybody's uh, getting out there and, you know, getting into the, the, the warmer months and uh, be safe, be smart, but above all, don't get caught. Don't get caught. See you next time. <laughs>